0: Hey, good morning, everyone. I just told him. I said, "I'm not a professor, but whatever. <laughs> Sounds good." Uh, man, great, great to be here with you guys. Good to be here again. You know, we've uh, Tammy and I have been here several times. We we love you guys. Really love your church. Appreciate um, your prayers and your investment in our missions work. We're missionaries uh, just down the road at the University of Michigan. Go Blue! Um, and. Uh, the pastor informed me, uh, this is probably weeks ago, that uh, he had invited me to speak at your kind of missions emphasis and that you guys were uh, discussing uh, topics like um, generosity, giving. I saw on your bulletin, I think it said, pray, give, and, and go, which is great. You know, that, that's, that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. And so he had asked me to uh, speak on this topic of generosity and giving, which I'm super excited to do. This is really a life message that i 'm going to share with you guys this morning, something that I have uh, tried to live not just i 'm not just coming to preach this but i 've tried to live it my wife and I both this is my wife by the way sorry tammy so that's uh Professor part two and uh, so we're so i'm excited um, that's right so we're going we 're going to talk this morning about uh, a very uncomfortable subject, so just relax with me But we're going to talk about money And when we talk about money, I think that kind of ranks right up there with like politics And uh, talking about COVID and masks and you know these things So very divisive, people get really squeamish when you talk about money There's just, It can be really weird, not anybody here never would of course But I'm just saying in general people do. Well, we're going to talk about giving, uh, specifically giving to missions, and that requires that we talk about money. So, first thing I want to do is just ask all of you just to relax. Can we just relax today. Let's take a deep breath. Okay, and I'm going to have you repeat after me. Are you ready? Say this, money. It wasn't that hard, was it? Not bad. So, there, we've said it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to jump in to to talking about giving and talking about money specifically. First thing I want to do with you is to attempt to dispel what is a very common misquotation of Scripture. One of the most common misquotations I've ever seen. So we're going to put that first slide up if if you're ready. Uh, 1 Timothy 6.10, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, and he says this, Money is the root of all evil. For money is the root of all kinds of evil. Does anybody see a problem with this this scripture? Does anybody think that it's interpreted correctly? Yes, sir. Well, cue uh, number two. Slide, please. And give him a round of applause. For he wins the prize. (laughs) I told pastor, I said, they're fired up today. This is going to be easy. But... You're totally right. I mean, have you ever heard people say it that way, though? I've heard that thousands of times. Well, you know, brother, money's the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. Paul said to Timothy that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, um, certainly, when money becomes an idol in our lives, then it is evil, right? So if we worship money, and we ascribe to money a value that is higher than where it should be, and we ascribe to it infinite value as if it is God, then yes, it is evil, and it is the root of all kinds of evil. But let's be honest, that, that applies to many things in life, right? This can apply to uh, girlfriends, boyfriends, spouses, food, anything. Sports teams, not the Wolverines. <laughs> right, just the Spartans. Amen. Amen. So, but seriously, I mean, power, sex, you name it. None of these things are inherently evil, if you think about it, right? There's nothing evil about a boyfriend or sex or food. It is when we worship it, when we ascribe Uh, Worship to this finite thing or idea or or object that's when it becomes the root of all evil so Money is not the root of all kinds of evil, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil that idolatry I wanted to get that out of the way before we jump in and start talking about money And the first thing I want to do is try to make this really practical for you So i'm going to present two different uh, Michigan families and hopefully you can uh, this will help you wrap your mind about, around where I'm going with this and how I'm trying to help you this morning. So the first slide we're going to put up is the Smith family. Well, there's the Smith and the Lopez family. So both look really happy, don't they? Now, on the left, the Smith family, um, they look like the model of success to their neighbors and their friends. They live in a, a, a really big house beautiful. They have uh, new cars. They have awesome clothing. They have uh, wonderful, fancy snowmobiles that they always take up up north on the weekends. Uh, Mr. Smith has a very high annual income. And he looks like the pinnacle of success for his friends. But is he really successful? Well, let me tell you the rest of the story. They also have $100,000 in student loan debt, They have $300,000 of unpaid debt on their house. They have two large car payments, over $40,000. They have three credit cards that are maxed out with $18,000 of debt. Pastor wouldn't know what I'm talking about as a banker. He's never seen people like this when he runs credit scores. He has a miserable wife who pays the bills each month, and he has stressed out children at home, who can feel the strain and the weight of this that's about to collapse every week, but they don't understand where the stress is coming from. They just feel it as children. Constant tension. He has high blood pressure and the early signs of an an ulcer. I said altar. He needs the altar. This guy (laughs) needs to be altered at the altar. Uh, Smith does not tithe to his church because he can't. He's wrapped up in, in overconsumption. He doesn't give to He can't help the poor. He's scraping by, even though he looks like the pinnacle of success. Welcome to the American financial model. This has been designed and created for you. It is a specific plan. It's been crafted by advertisers who um, advertise widgets and, and gadgets merchants who produce them and credit card companies that produce the loan. They're always standing by to get you in debt to buy this new widget. Um, See, they have a vested interest in your overconsumption, your debt, your constant spending, your constant acquisition of of liabilities and consumables. And if you follow this model, you're going to work yourself to death for 40, 50 years. You're going to end up Sick and miserable, trying to impress your neighbor. But see, there's a much better biblical model. And that's what I I want. That's one of the things I want to communicate this morning. You know, we're going to talk about generosity, but I just want to present a different model for you that I think is much more exciting and, and much more biblical. And that is what the Lopez family has chosen to follow. So, This is the Lopez family. Um, His name is Abraham, and her name is Sarah. Um, They also have wonderful children, and um, they're godly people. And they, you know what? They also have a nice house, um, just like Bob, but they paid their house off. They also have nice cars. They're not the greatest cars, but they're reliable, and they're good enough, and they paid cash. Um, Their children live in a good neighborhood. They have great friends. They're good parents, they teach the Word of God, they also have clothing and they have good healthy food. They even have some cool apple products as well, but they didn't they didn't purchase it on with debt, right they saved for it, and they bought it with cash and um, they live and more important than what they have is that they live in a state of financial peace and and you know if you don't have financial peace in life, you'll never have complete peace. Even people I know that truly love Christ, and they do, and they love God, but they've taken the bait. They've they've taken it hook, line, and sinker of what the advertisers and the merchants and the advertisers and the credit card companies have given them. They've taken it, and so they still don't have total peace in life, even though they have God. Because they're following, they're on this, like, hamster wheel. Do you know what I'm talking about? Trying to impress other people. Trying to get more stuff to look good. Abraham and Sarah are prosperous. They're wealthy. They're debt-free. They have a goal to give $1 million to missions. They have a goal to give to the poor generously by the time they're 80 years old. And they're going to hit this goal. They'll hit it. So which model do you want to follow? I mean, it's your choice. You can choose to be like the Smiths or like the Lopez. I encourage you, especially as you guys are in a missions emphasis and you're talking about generosity and giving as well as going and praying, I want to encourage you to choose the the Lopez family model. Um, Each year, if you choose to follow this, you're going to see an increase in your revenue. You're going to see an increase in your tithe. You're going to have the opportunity to give to the poor. You're going to have an opportunity to sow into missions. You are going to be blessed. You're going to be at peace. Your children are going to be happy. Every decade of your life, your wealth will increase, and you'll have more to give and more to live. There's nothing wrong with that. It's both. You'll have more to give and more to live. And ultimately, and this is the key, you will control money. It won't control you way too many people are controlled by money. And, and, and it's a terrible taskmaster. And um, we are to be controlled by the love of God, not by money, not by the pursuit of what money can give. Now, if you want to follow this model, I've got some scriptures I want to share with you. Proverbs is an amazing book in the scriptures that talk about money and giving and generosity. So let's look at this biblical uh, model. If we could put this slide up here. Proverbs 11, 25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. 3, 9, and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Ooh, I love that first part. Um, the barn will, now, a, a lot of you don't have barns and vats of wine, is that right? Right? If you do, don't admit it, Pastor. He'll get in trouble. I mean, not the barn part, but the vats of wine. But they both kind of sound all right. Um, But, of course, this is an agricultural, you know, society. So you you, you could just translate that, that if you're honoring the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything, he's going to fill your uh, bank account. He's going to fill your home, okay? You can contextualize that to your modern world that you live in. Proverbs 22, 7, just as the rich rules the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. That is a huge thing I just talked about. We live in a world where most Americans are slaves to lenders. Um, Proverbs nineteen seventeen. if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Now, I can't think of anybody better to lend to than our Lord. So, if this sounds more appealing to you than the Smith family, I want you to listen to what I'm attempting to teach you guys this morning. Um, I'm going to try to practically teach you how to make this your future and uh, how to to really follow this model. Um, But it's not going to be easy. And and if it is possible, why is it that, that more people are not following this biblical model of generosity and prosperity? Well, that's a very complex question, and I don't have time to go into detail with all the different angles here, but one big reason why is because um, many Americans are controlled by a very evil principality and force called mammon. Now, some believe, and has anybody ever heard that word mammon? It's an old word. We don't talk about it much anymore. It's an old English word. It's, it's a scriptural word, um, And some believe that mammon is just another word for money, but I don't believe that because money is simply a tool. I mean, money can be used for evil or good. It's just a tool. But mammon, you know, if you look at history, church history, and the history of the Old Testament, many um, ancient Jews have have a teaching that mammon was actually like a a high-ranking demon-like creature that would control people in their pursuit of, of money. And he was like, he was seen as an idol, um, a a powerful idol that would derail people's faith and they would be controlled by mammon. And this is really dangerous. Listen to 1 John 5.21. The Apostle John says, little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Listen to how the Living Bible writes this. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Amen. And the pursuit of mammon, the control of mammon over Americans' lives—if they're not careful, they will give themselves over to this idol, and it can take them away from their faith in God. Now, does this mean that a Christian who has financial wealth is being controlled by mammon? No, of course not. I mean, I know—I uh, know—wealthy Christians that are very generous. And I know poor Christians that are greedy. I know poor Christians that are very generous, and I know wealthy Christians that are greedy. And they all need to grow, okay? So I'm not trying to judge here. I'm just letting you know the the bank account level isn't what determines if somebody is greedy or not. They could be in any state of life. So I'm not saying that somebody that is prospering is being controlled by mammon, but... We all have to be careful not to be under the the, uh, insidious lure of mammon, of this idol. Jesus talked about it, didn't he? You remember this passage? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So Jesus is clearly teaching us that a believer cannot serve the, the demonic principality of mammon and serve God at the same time. And unfortunately, you know, there are Christians that have left God in their pursuit of mammon, under the rulership of mammon, and we do not want to go there. So how can we, uh, Destroy the the effect of mammon in our life? How can we protect ourselves from it? How can we ensure that we are not being controlled by this? Well, you guys are talking about it during missions. It's called radical generosity, radical giving. Radical giving has the power to break Satan's hold over our lives. If greed is controlling people, the one way that I have discovered to neutralize greed, is to give. And radical power or radical giving is what I want to talk with you about today. And uh, Tammy and I have been so blessed to, to see this in our own lives. Well, I do want to share a quote here. Um, one of our Assemblies of God pastors, uh, Pastor Dave Williams, um, he's no longer pastoring in Michigan, uh, but he'd pastor for many years in an amazing church soul winner, he said this, you can only move into the arena of radical wealth when you refuse to listen to the spirit of mammon and obey only the voice of God. So I'm going to talk with you this morning about only obeying the voice of God through the radical power of giving. And you see, um, we, don't, we don't teach that greed is good. That, that would be incorrect to teach that. We teach that we break it through generosity. And my wife and I have seen this in our own lives. We have so many stories. I mean, I remember as a University of Michigan student, graduating from U of M, 1992, my parents had all these great you know, hopes for me and what I was going to do and all this. And I came and I told them I'm going to be a missionary. And the first thing my dad said was, how are you going to make money? And I said, well, I'm going to live by faith. He said, what? I said, I'm going to live by faith. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, he said, I don't understand that. But uh, I'll tell you, here we are 30 years later, and God has been so faithful to us as missionaries. Um, it is incredible. I, one story uh, from probably about seven or eight years ago, I... I felt the Holy Spirit put in my heart a desire. Uh, it wasn't a desire because I didn't want to do it. It was a call of obedience. I felt like the Lord had asked me to give what, what to me was a rather large amount of money uh, to a minister to bless him. Now, I'm just going to be real with you because, you know, you might be thinking, well, of course, I should have been like, yes, Lord, whatever it is you say. No, I was like, wow, Lord, really? okay. Has anybody ever felt like that? Like, you know, the thought comes and you're like, what do I do? And, um, but I, this man was a a great man of God who is an incredible soul winner, church planter. I mean, done so many things. And I'm like, I would love to be able to be like that one day. I I just, I know God is saying, bless him, thank him. And I fought through it and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So I wrote him a check. I sent it to him in the mail. And I wrote a letter to him. And I said, hey, I just felt like the Holy Spirit put this on my heart to give to you. Um, Will you pray for me? There's three things that I'm believing God for in my life. And I just want to bless you, your wife, your family. And, um, and, And I did. And once I wrote the check and put it in the mail, you know when you had that battle, like... Oh, I know God has told me to do it, but it's gonna hurt. It's hard. And then once you do it and you obey, you're done Amen, I've done what i was supposed to do And you know, he actually wrote me back a personalized letter And told me I prayed for you. I prayed for all of these things you asked for. I said awesome. Amen Well, very very shortly after I mean just within a couple of weeks. I was preaching at a church in Metro Detroit And, you know, when missionaries go to churches, we do what we're doing. Typically, the church will have an honorarium or they'll take an offering. Well, this church, um, you know, I I preached. I thought, man, God was touching people. It was a great service. Love these people. We got done, and I thought, oh, that's so interesting. They didn't take an offering because this church always takes an offering for their missionaries. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. It's not about the money. I, I would preach without any offering. That's fine. I'm just glad to be there. It's an honor. But that's strange. So anyway, we're, we're down the fellowship hall. The pastor comes up to me, and he goes, oh, my gosh. He said, Nino, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot to take an offering. It's the first time I've ever done this. I said, that's totally fine. No problem. He said, but it's the weirdest thing, like, people started coming up to me in the church, and they said they wanted to give to you and Tammy and your missions work, and uh, I've got $3,300 that was given for you. I've never had an offering like that. Just so you know, before you guys sign up to be AG missionaries, that's not what the offerings are, okay? Not even close. I mean, we're order of magnitude of many, many, exponentially higher. And I was like, wow, that's amazing, God. Well, then I, I go to bed Sunday, and I'm like, thank God. I'm, I'm glad I gave that check, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then uh, I get a text Monday this guy from across the country said, hey, uh, my wife and I want to start monthly investing in your missions work. We appreciate what you guys are doing. His daughter, uh, one of his kids was in our campus ministry and we'd poured into her and he said, I want to give you $250. I thought, surely that's a one-time thing. He's only I not mean 250 a month. So how do you broach that topic? It's kind of awkward. I don't want to assume it's, a, it's, it's not monthly. Like, what does that mean? He can't do it or what? But I'm like, so I, but I had to get clarity. So I just said, thank you so much for supporting us as missionaries. We're so grateful. Um, uh, I, I just want to get clarity on that. Is that, so, um, is that a monthly amount? Because, you know, you want to assume, yeah, he could. And he wrote me back. He goes, yeah, it's, we're going to um, sow $250 monthly into your missions work. Just so you know, before you sign up to be an AG missionary. That's not the typical pledge that churches or individuals give to missionaries, okay? It's not that. No, that's not over. Then I get another message, a voicemail, from a person that said, yeah, the Lord just put you on my heart, um, and we want to invest $100 a month in your missions work. I'm just sitting there going, this is nuts. That's $7,500 plus its monthly gift. I'm like... And I was battling about generosity. Like, I felt like God wanted me to get... I I knew he wanted me to do this, to give this gift, but it was hard. And I hope it's okay for me to be real with you guys, just so you know. I struggle, too. Obedience is not easy for, for any of us. Just because someone's a missionary or pastor doesn't mean it's easy. But I was so glad I was able to obey God, and he could test me, and I could do it. I mean, I can tell you stories very shortly after... Um, the Lord uh, brought to my attention an investment opportunity. And it was new, and and Pastor knows what it is, but I don't like to talk about it publicly too much. But it was, I mean, this is years ago. And I'm telling you, this is, in my son and I, I remember I was with Johnny, and I was talking to him about it. He was just young, and he was like, Dad, you should do this. You should buy this. And, and I'm talking not just 100 times, 200 times, 300 times increase. And, and I believe that God is honoring my willingness to give in a small way, so now we'll be able to give more. And, and see, your vision has to expand. If you're just thinking about crumbs all the time, maybe you need to expand your vision. How can you impact the neighborhood here? Well, that will take hard labor, sweat, and money. Dream bigger. Expand your dreams and your generosity. And God is always... See, the problem is not that God doesn't have enough resources. It's just there's not enough people that are willing to be a conduit for him. He's looking for them. Like, can I trust you? If I can trust you with a hundred, he'll trust you with a thousand. If he can trust you with a thousand, he'll trust you with a hundred thousand. So he's waiting for people that will step out and actually live this life that you guys are talking about in this uh, emphasis here on generosity. So again, we don't teach greed. We teach biblical generosity, and we teach biblical prosperity. The Bible does teach that God will prosper us, and I get some flack about this, and some people would say it's wrong to teach that but, um, because it encourages greed. This doesn't make sense to me at all because the one thing that breaks greed is giving, and so when you teach people to give, you're teaching them to break the hold of greed over their life. You see, greed takes, it hoards, it holds on to, it, 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 it does not come with open hands. But generosity, biblical love, gives and gives and gives radically, right? Generously, in faith. Even not knowing how it's going to work, I'm going to do it. As you guys are talking about missions giving, that's what it might be for some of you. Now... There's a lot of types of giving. There's so many different types of scriptural generosity. I think we're all familiar with the tithe, and you guys talked about, Pastor, I think you brought that up. If, if, you're, if this is your home church, this is an opportunity to give. So um, today I'm not going to speak with you about tithing, um, though it's very uh, important. But tithing is not technically giving because it doesn't belong to you. So, you know, the Lord said, you know, when I give you $100, 10 of it is, is mine. And then 90, you decide what to do with. So um, we're, it, it, it's giving, of course, because you have to willingly relinquish control of that money. But in a sense, it's like if I came up to this couple and said, here's $1,000, I'm going to give it to you. The only stipulation is you need to give me 100 back. You know, it's my money. I'm giving it to him. You know, what's he going to say? No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give you 100 I say, well, then I'll keep my money. So he would happily give the $100. He said, that's a good deal. I got 900 bucks. Sweet. All right. So tithing is, is, is really what belongs to the Lord. You bring that to the storehouse of your local ch- um, church. So I want to talk about what do you do with the remaining 90 And there's so many things. Almsgiving, very important. And I'm not going to dig deep into that, but almsgiving is crucial. And uh, one thing I've notice from a distance with your church is kind of how you've tried to reach out to children in the area i think you guys do back to school stuff is that right like that that's in a sense alms giving you know you're 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 giving your time you're giving products um helping those that are hurting financially or whatever sick i mean amazing giving there's alms giving there's the tithe um what I did with, with the pastor was kind of an upward giving. It was like a, a, a man of God that I thought I want to bless and invest in. You'll see in the Old Testament scriptures many times people would bless the prophets. They would come to the prophets of Elijah and they would say, I want to give you the best of my uh, lamb or whatever, just because, and pray for me. I, I want to love you and honor you. There's all kinds of giving. But today I want to talk specifically about missions giving, which you guys are in this focus, right? Pray, give, and go. And I want to share with you a concept of sowing and reaping. Now, I know you've probably heard about sowing and reaping. You understand it. But let's talk about how sowing and reaping um, applies to money because some people don't realize that the Apostle Paul, in uh, his letter to the Corinthians, talked about money, and he talked about sowing and reaping in the context of money, of giving to um, the church in Jerusalem from Corinth. So let's go there. Let's put this slide up. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Very uh, important passage here to understand about missions giving. So let's read it together. Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Um, Obviously, sowing there is planting. I mean, we're not farmers now. I think everybody gets that, but I like to just clarify, you know. Sowing is, uh, I remember as a new convert, when I first read the Bible, I thought that was called sow. And, I mean, I just wasn't raised in the church. I didn't know. I never heard the term. I got saved by reading Gospel of Matthew, and I was trying to witness one of my friends. I said, you know, the Bible says you will um, reap whatever you sow. And they said, you reap what you sow. I think that means Sow. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So it's not, it's not whoever sows, but whoever sows. So whoever sows sparingly a little will reap a little. Whoever sows generously, so you're talking about generosity, will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor that righteous, their righteousness endures forever. There, of course, he's referring to almsgiving, as I said, another crucial part of our giving. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. couple principles. Number one, money is a seed. It is a seed. And I want to point out that the size of your harvest is directly linked to the number of seeds that you plant. And this makes sense, right? I mean, uh, I mean, Paul said, he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. He who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. And we understand that in terms of, of agriculture, right? If you want a nice big uh, field of corn, you're not going to just plant one seed. Right? If you want a lot of corn stock, stocks, what do you do? You plant a lot of seeds. We get that. But giving financially and giving to missions, faith promises, is like sowing into the kingdom, sowing into the lost money seeds. And that number of seeds will determine the size of your harvest and more for you to give. I want you to notice what Paul also said. He didn't just say that money is seed. He said that some of the money you have is also bread. Did you notice that? Let's look at it again. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So this is important to understand. The money that God entrusts to you, some of it is for you to eat. Well, I mean, not literally the money, but you get what I'm saying. It's for you to spend on your own needs and wants. It's your bread, okay? So when you have money, some of it is seed, some of it is bread. What do you do with bread? You eat it. What do you do with seed? You plant it. What if you try to plant bread? It doesn't work. But how about this? What if you eat the seed? Right? If you eat the seed, you lose the the, the power and the potential of the seed. So you could definitely take those corn kernels and pop them, as I like to do, probably almost every night. I love homemade popcorn. And I eat it, and I enjoy it, and, and it, you know, makes me feel good. But those seeds will never uh, produce a harvest now because I ate the seed, okay? So um, some of your money is seed for sowing, and some of it is bread for eating. So then when we talk about this with our college students, and I, and I, I share this on, on a number of occasions because this is a life message, one of the questions in people's mind is, um, "Well, how do I know how much of my money is seed and how do I know how much is bread?" Right. Well, my answer is is actually a question: How big of a harvest do you want? So that's that's the answer. I mean, do you want a, a, a do you want a backyard farm or do you want a thousand acre farm that could feed many uh, homeless people and could feed. Uh, you're all the whole, whole city and could, could have a huge tithe and could give to missionaries around the world. Do you want a 10,000-acre farm? I mean, and, and see, when you think like that, you're like, of course I got enough to eat. I got a 10,000-acre farm. Most people just want to get a little corner of their yard. So the question of when you're trying to figure out in this missions emphasis as a church, how much do you give? How much do you sow? I just ask, how big of a field do you want? I wanna share the, uh, another illustration. I, I normally bring in an apple seed when I share this, um, but all of our apples are gone because we've got two large young men at home that eat constantly and I eat a lot too. And I think we had about 25 apples a few days ago. They're all gone now. But if, just imagine with me, I had a little apple seed. Um, how many seed, let me ask you a question. Uh, we'll, we'll, the is gonna, we're gonna go to school. How many uh, seeds would you say are in a typical apple? Thirteen? That's a good guess. Anybody else? I actually have counted on a number of occasions. It's it's weird, I know. Ten? Yeah. A thousand, yes! No. (laughs) Uh, I think what I usually, I I think every apple is somewhat different, but I usually find about six to seven seeds is about the, The right number. So if you cut it open tonight, you get your apple, you'll probably have about six, seven seeds. Test me on it. But now here's the here's the question I'm gonna ask you. So seven seeds in an apple. How many apples are within one seed? How many apples are within one seed? You gotta think a lot bigger. It's infinite. It's infinite right? There are trillions and trillions and trillions of apples in one seed. There is the power and the potential in that one seed. I mean, think about it. You can plant a seed and if you nurture it and care for it, it will grow into a tree. And that tree will have a harvest of apples. In some seasons, you might have 30, 40 apples, maybe even 75 on a good tree. And every one of those has seven seeds. And all those can be planted and become a tree. And those trees have their own harvest, and you get the picture, right? So that one seed has the potential to produce an entire orchard. How big, how much should I give? How generous should I be this month? What? what you know, pastors talking about giving. How big do you want your harvest to be? God has called Tammy and I to to do some stuff like this. I'll never forget. Another testimony. Um, when our kids were all still pretty small, we had uh, purchased a minivan, and, uh, uh, it was the it was terrible. It was a Kia Sedona. The thing was the worst minivan I've ever had. It was bad. Kia, it was like Chia Pet. Kia, I mean it was it was terrible. I mean that thing is like four years old and like the alternator's falling off. I'm mean, how did the alternator fall off? I mean I have I've had cars for thirty years. You know what I mean? This thing was terrible. So and it wasn't American. That was the problem. So I can preach that in Detroit. Yeah. So so here we are, five years or six-year-old car. You think a six-year-old car, you're like, yeah. I mean, Tammy and I drive our cars like 20 years. I mean, we love to just drive it till it dies, you know? Six years old, I'm like, I got to get another car. I'm not used to this. So uh, there's a, we have friends in Fort Wayne, Indiana, good, good friends of ours. And one of their friends was selling a uh, Honda Odyssey, uh, and uh, it had good reviews and whatever, so... And they, they were going to list it for about $8,000. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, a Dodge, but whatever. So Tammy kept telling me, I think you should call this person. I'm like, that's ah, Fort Wayne. I don't want to drive to Fort Wayne, Indiana to get, go get the car. And then there's the title is in Indiana and all of this. She said, all right, that's fine. But I just think we should call them and check on it. So my wife is usually right. <laughs> so I, I call... Robin is this woman's name. I said, hey, you know, I'm friends with Chris and Kathy Norman. They, they told us that you're selling a minivan. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, you guys know from church, yeah. She said, what do you guys do? And I said, well, we're missionaries. And um, we start talking about the Lord. And, and I had been going to China at this point in time because, again, talking about giving and going, which we all should do. Um, I had taken uh, three missions trips to China, just seeing God do amazing works among the Chinese And we started talking about it because she's trying to get to know us. And I'm like, wow, I'm just calling for a car, but this is a cool conversation. I don't even know you. And then she said, she goes, that's awesome. We adopted our little daughter, and she's from China. "Ah, That's great, you know? And so then after like 20 minutes, I'm like, we should probably get to the business here, you know? So I'm like, I I like the conversation, but I I need a minivan. My Kia Sedona's falling apart, you know what I'm saying? So... uh, I, I said, hey, uh, so what are you guys asking for the, the car, or for the minivan? And she said, well, my husband deals with that. She said, we, we have checked the blue book. I think he said it was like $8,000, because again, this was a used minivan. She said, you know, I'm going to check this. I'm going to talk to my husband and pray about it, but I think the Lord just wants me to sew this into your life and just give it to you. I'm like, I don't even know you. Never talked to you before. It's an $8,000 minivan. Hallelujah. This is awesome. So uh, she the, got right back to me the next day, and she said, yeah, can, can we get tax deduction if we do this? I'm like, hallelujah. Yes, you can. <laughs> so, uh, so we end up driving down to Indiana, and they had this beautiful minivan that they kept really well, and our kids were raised in it, and we just turned it into the garbage can. And we drove it. It had, I think we bought... It had like 100,000-some miles on it, and we drove it to almost 300,000 miles. We finally don- And we donated it at the end of its life to like Mrs. Waddles or Mama Waddles or whatever. Anybody know what that is? Yeah. And, I mean, we gave it to them with the chicken nuggets and the fries and everything. I mean, we had six-year-old nuggets in there, man. Did you know you could eat a nugget after five years? McDonald's nugget you could eat five years later, and it's fine. Did you know that? I mean, that's a lot of preservatives, man. I mean, that's a problem, isn't it? So, so we, uh, we, we've just seen, and there's so many, like, stories I could tell you where we stepped out in faith, and as, as, a, as a missionary, we want to be generous, right? People think, well, missionaries are supported by churches, but missionaries need to be generous. Pastors are to be generous. Church members are to be generous. All of us are to step out in radical generosity. Let me close with this, and then we'll pray. Um, And I just want to pray for all of you guys, for God's blessing, prosperity, and for a great missions emphasis. I want to talk with you in closing about this concept of wealth containers. Uh, I've taught on this for uh, almost a decade, and now I'm really seeing it happen in our lives, which is super exciting. Let me show you a picture. Let me see if we have it up there. Go to the next slide, please. Okay. So this is um, two containers. Um, You see this Tupperware on the left? And then those are pretty big containers on the right. Those are the the kind that go on the ships that go back and forth between America and China, you know, and all over the world and Africa. So big. You've seen those, right? They put them on the train beds, big containers. So we're just going to pretend that that's a wealth container of your future. Um, And so... My question is, if you, if you could choose to have your wealth in one of those containers, would you choose the Tupperware or the massive shipping containers? The, the wealth containers, how large your container is at, towards the end of your life, is linked to many things. It's not just this. You have, there's a lot that goes into understanding money and not overconsumption and not misusing debt. But in a large part, it is also tied into your generosity. And I'm telling you, Tammy and I know a few older people that are very generous. I mean, they give lots of money to the poor, to the kingdom, to churches, and they're all prosperous. And you're going to be hard-pressed to find an 80-year-old man that's lived a life of generosity and caring for the poor and the missions in the church and to have him scraping around and miserable as a miser. Why is that? Because God is looking for men and women like that. He's looking for a conduit of blessing. He wants to bless the world. So he knows that certain people, if he fills their containers, they're going to have plenty to live and have a good life, but they're going to have plenty to give too, right? It's more to live and to give, both. So the size of your wealth container is linked to your generosity. Now, the world's financial model, let's go back in closing, uh, Smith and Lopez. The world's financial model says, hoard, keep it to yourself, withhold, greed, lust, self. The biblical model says, give, bless, share, invest, other people first. The first model, the Smith model, leads to misery and stress and debt. The second model, the Lopez model, leads to peace and true prosperity and true generosity. And so I'm going to close in prayer and just ask you to consider who you want to be. Which model do you want to be? It does. It takes a long time. It's not like a get-rich-quick scheme. You know what I mean? This is a lifestyle. It's a change of mind. It's like, I'm no longer going to be the greedy one. I'm no longer going to be worried about money and let it control me. I'm going to be a new woman, a new man. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a sower. I'm going to be a, a, a generous farmer, Right? And you do that day after day, year after year, and God will revolutionize you and use your church incredibly. And I know he has already, and we, we are a testimony to that. You guys have sowed into us, and we appreciate it very much. So if I could pray for you, um, let's, um, let's stand together, and let's, let's really ask God to, uh, to meet with us this morning. Father, I want to pray for uh, an impartation of blessing into the lives of all those here. Lord, I thank you for uh, the the lessons you've taught Tammy and I and the challenges you've given us. And we know that more challenges of obedience are to come. And Father, we ask that you will impart within every man and woman, every boy and girl in this building, in this sanctuary today, a, a, a heart of generosity an understanding of sowing and reaping. And we pray that you will use this church in Taylor to revolutionize and change these neighborhoods for Christ. God, we pray that this church will be known as the church that sows generously, the church that gives and prays and goes. And I pray that you'll use this message that I've uh, attempted to share and that you will multiply it supernaturally and bring a breakthrough in people's lives. And, God, we pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to come here, Pastor. I appreciate it. I'll turn it over to you.
1: All right. Actually, Nino, if you want to come up with your wife, we would love to pray for you. Uh, So could you you guys lift your hands towards them? And just so you know, they are part of our uh, monthly—we give to them every month, and we definitely believe— and everything that you're doing on the campuses and reaching kids that desperately need to know Christ. It's a, I think it's a, it's definitely a war zone over there as far as that, you know, um, so yes, (laughs) you reach your hands out. All right. Thank you, God, for Nino and his wife, Father, and I just pray right now for you to continue to move in them. God, I pray that you'll give them just a fresh anointing and a fresh fire and a fresh power, Father. I pray that you'll renew their spirit and renew their strength, Father. I pray that you'll give them fresh vision. And God, I just pray for blessings over them. I just pray for souls to be one. And I pray for lives to be changed and transformed, Father. I pray for supernatural appointments. And God, we just pray that you will be glorified and that you'll receive all the praise, Father. I pray that you will um, just continue to, I know he mentioned that they had had some stuff going on that went really well earlier in the semester, God. I just thank you for that blessing. And God, we just pray that it'll continue to move on and that you will uh, uh, just give them momentum and that you will be glorified, Father. We thank you for their willingness to serve, Father. We thank you for their hearts of generosity. God, we just pray for more blessing for them. God, we give you the glory and the praise. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thanks for for coming, guys. Have a good afternoon.